Who are you really? I thought I knew who I was until God got into my life and showed me something about myself. Find out who you really are on the next More Faith, More Life podcast. Hello, everybody. So glad you joined me today on More Faith, More Life podcast. Today, I want to talk about who are you really? Really, 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 who are you? And I want to talk to, and add to it the, the story of the Good Samaritan to kind of balance this out, a Bible story, and find ourselves within it. But Because uh, everybody knows the Good Samaritan phrase. The, the Good Samaritan is the guy or gal on the highway that stops when you have a flat tire or flags somebody down or, you know, helps you in life or whatever, and they call him a good Samaritan. But we're going to go back and look at the story as it really is and see where you might be in it. Because who are you really? You might really be in the story of the good Samaritan. Okay, so let's back up and uh, hear the story. I'll just tell it to you, okay? So here we are, the good Samaritan uh, story. All right, so a man was traveling on a road. It's a road... uh, Uh, that is well known uh, for crime back in Bible days for robberies and things. And he was on that road. And sure enough, he goes on it and uh, he gets robbed. He gets beat up really, really bad. And the Bible tells us in the story that he was left uh, for dead. In fact, it tells us that he was left half dead. He's, He's barely alive or half alive, half dead, okay? So in the, in the story then, we have uh, the, a Jewish leader, uh, a priest, uh, uh, comes by, only he walks on the other side of the road. He doesn't stop to help him. And there's a lot of reasons, religious reasons, why uh, they would think that, because he's probably covered in blood. And if you go over and help him, and you're a priest or a person, then you have to go, in the Jewish law, you have to go cleanse yourself for a certain amount of time. And so, you know, you get blood all over you. Now it changes your whole week like that. Uh, so he passes on the other side, but he's a religious leader. And then another religious leader, Levite, comes by, and he's another religious leader. And he walks, probably for the same reason, he walks on the other side of the road too, okay? So that's the setup, is a man's beat up, bad, robbed, left half dead, and uh, one religious person and two religious people don't help him they walk around the other side. Okay, so there there you go. Now, part of that is we, reading the Bible, would expect the religious person, right, to do the right thing and stop and help him anyway. Even if it's inconvenience to you, you stop and help anyway. But they didn't. Well, then that's when the Samaritan comes. We call it the Good Samaritan. It doesn't say, it's really not called that. It's just a Samaritan. Now, here's the thing. In that era and that time period, Jews, by the way, the man uh, in the ditch, half dead, would be a Jew in the story. I should have said that. So there's a Jewish man and the priest, Jewish priest, Jewish Levite, they don't help him. Okay. And so a, a Samaritan comes by. Now, in their culture, in their society, back then, Samaritans and Jews had nothing to do with each other. Nothing and uh, wouldn't speak. In fact, uh, Samaria was like, say it's right here, uh, Jews wouldn't even, unless it was an emergency or they really in a hurry, wouldn't even walk through Samaria, they would walk around it, okay? So it's, it's an ongoing problem. It was an ongoing problem. And yet, the Samaritan who would have nothing to do with Jews, normally, he stops and helps him. That's why we call him the Good Samaritan. He stopped his life 
and kind of broke custom, society's custom and culture, and he helps the man. And he bandages him up, he fixes him up, makes sure he's okay. And uh, then he takes him to uh, a hotel, and he tells the manager, here, take care of this man. I got to go someplace, but take care of this man. And when I get back, here's some money. And when I get back, if this is not enough and I still owe or it still costs more money than what I gave you or whatever, uh, I'll even give you more, okay? I'll take care of the bill when I get back, okay? Now, this is pretty um, strong teaching in Jesus' day because Jews listening to this wouldn't like it. Jews listening to his teaching on the Good Samaritan, we don't, we're not bothered by it. We get a whole nother message out of it in our, in our time. But Jews wouldn't have liked it because they're kind of like, okay, the two Jewish guys didn't help him. Now in your story, a Samaritan is the good guy, okay? And, and so he helps him and he, and he goes along his way. And from there we get the phrase, the Good Samaritan. Now, let me tell you a story. Uh, we'll zip up to when I'm uh, in the fourth grade. So I'm fourth grade in Sunday school. I went to Sunday. I went to Sunday school. I guess you'd call that till almost the eighth grade. I think maybe less. Maybe it was less than that. And then by eighth grade, I didn't go to church at all. But anyway, uh, so I'm in the fourth grade. And uh, on the fourth grade, we had maybe you grew up this way. Or remember or you're old enough to remember, we had like flannel boards or something. I don't know what it was, but we had little dress-up people, and you could stick them on this board. So we had uh, the beat-up man, and he would be here you know, on the board. And then, and then we'd have the, the priest and the Levite, they'd be stuck over here on this side of the board because they walked around, right? And then we, in the middle, we'd have the good Samaritan guy, and he'd you'd stick him up there on the board. Uh, can get him close to the, the beat-up guy, right? Okay. So the story goes, and my fourth-grade uh, teacher tells the story probably better than I did, and she'd tell the story with the little people. And uh, at the end of it, then, she, would, uh, she said to all of us, okay, so which one are you? Who are you? That's why I'm asking you. Who are you really? And so she'd ask us. She said, okay, and she'd hold up the little figures. Who are you? And are, are you the priest? No, we're not the priest. She'd put it back up. Are you the Levite? She'd show it. No, no, I'm not the Levite. No. And well, which one are you? Who are you really? And then she'd get the good Samaritan and she'd hold the, or the Samaritan and she'd hold the Samaritan up to us. Well, which one are you really? Who are you really? Are you the good Samaritan? And we'd all raise our hand. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're the good Samaritan. That's who we are. Like that. She'd, That's right. And then she'd put it back and talk to us about it. So we need to be, go th we need to be, we all need to be good Samaritans in our lives and help each other and love each other, etc. Okay. Now that's just a simple fourth grade story. And it's, and it's a pretty fantastic Bible story with a lot of implications for stu deeper study. Okay. Of culture and ways. But that's the fourth grade version that I got. And in the fourth grade, we all raised our hands. Yay, I'm the good Samaritan, and we're all going to be good Samaritans. But not turning it into theology for a fourth grader. We didn't think that way, of course. But when you do think of it, you realize, hey, I think I did get some theology in me by this story. And a lot of people who 
maybe didn't even go to Sunday school. Maybe you did. You have heard the phrase the Good Samaritan. But that's what we, we all want to raise our hand and say, I'm the Good Samaritan. So without knowing it, I, I got a theology or I got a doctrine is a better word probably. I got the doctrine of the Good Samaritan inside of me. And I realized that's what you do. That's what you go through life doing. You go through life and all the good people are good Samaritans and you go help people. And so I'm going to now be the good Samaritan uh, my whole life and I'm going to go about and I'm going to try to help people and I'm going to try to do good and be good and help uh, everybody that's got a problem. I'm going to help them. And okay, you got the picture. And if you'll think, think about it in our culture and society today, uh, everybody kind of knows that's what they are should be we should be good samaritans we sort of have a culture good samaritan in us now that doesn't mean everybody's going to stop on the highway and help somebody right but the idea is in us that that's what makes a good person a good person is a good samaritan right and so we get that so you know what that's what i did from maybe from the fourth grade on uh i'm gonna put that on me. I'm going to be the good Samaritan. So that's, that's who I became. And that's kind of how we judge. I did anyway, kind of how you judge good and bad. Bad people don't help people. Good people help people. And the kingdom of God and Jesus and church and all that, it never really came into it. And for most people today, it doesn't come into it. Most people today, they believe this is their theology or their doctrine is you just need to be a what? You got it. A good person. That's what you're supposed to be, a good person. And so then you'll hear their other theology. Well, you know, they'll hear about Jesus and church and Bible. And then there they go. So, well, I just believe you need to be a good person. You just should, everybody should be, that's what they believe. Okay. So who is that good person? <clears throat> that person is the good Samaritan, whether you call it that or not. <clears throat> so here I go through life uh, trying to be good, trying to be a good Samaritan, trying to be good. And that's how I judge myself. I think that's how we judge other people. They're a good person. They help people. They're nice. Mm, bad person. They don't help people. They're not so nice. Okay. So here we go through life with this on us. And that's who we believe we're supposed to be. And so I'm going through life and doing the best I can. And then I get up a little older and uh, I do become a Christian at age 23. And by 24, well, no, probably during that year, I was still 23. I decided rather than teach school, which I love teaching school, by the way, I loved being uh, the music teacher at a school, great school, great people, loved it, loved the kids. But I felt like it was time for me to reconsider something I never had before, and that was going to the ministry. And that means I'm going to have to start studying again. i got to study at least three years to get going. Uh, I studied more than that but at the time. But that's what I decided to do. So I went to the ministry. Now I'm 23, 24, 25, 26, uh, getting up there. And we tr I travel in the ministry and then decide to pastor and started our own church. There was a building there, but we, we found it because it didn't have any people. It was empty, uh, an empty church building. And so we, Kathy and I, we start our own church and we're uh, moved to the town, you know, there and we're the, trying to be a good husband and wife, trying to be good neighbors, trying to be good pastors, trying to be good, 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 right? 
So life goes on, and in a small town, I don't know if any of you grew up in a small town. I don't recommend it, but some people do, and I spent a lot of years there. Our daughter went to school there and high school there and graduated there. And uh, so we were there, but it was not a good experience. Small town gossip, and I I didn't grow up in a big city, but I grew up in a town about 20,000, so at least you didn't know everybody. And in this town, still saying everybody knows everybody, and a lot of them you don't like, you know, and they don't like you, and there's just feuds and gossip and rumors, and it's just so easy to to spread it in, in in this little town. And so, you know, uh, I, so I survived it, and, you know, I survived it. And uh, some people didn't really want me to be there in that town, in that church, because I'm a lively person. I like lively music. We play loud, we, you know, he plays, you can hear the music a block away from their church, and they raise their hands, and they believe in the power of God. And so some people didn't like that. So I already had the gossip and rumors, and we, I survived it. But as the years went by, it got worse and worse until finally they made it really, re- it was really, really personal to where uh, they, you know, somebody made up some, I don't know, really, I never heard it. Uh, I, know, I was told of st- stories, they were just stories. Uh, they weren't true, but I didn't, nobody, nobody ever came up to me and told me exactly what they were. I just kind of figured it out by listening here and there. Well, anyway, it seemed like I'd given my, uh, the best years of my life, I was thinking, to this little town and this little church, and now uh, I just didn't want, I just thought, th- this is not good. These are not good people. Of course, there were good people there, but some. And I thought, is this what I want to do the rest of my life? Well, the church was going great, okay? But I started not doing so great. I started reconsidering. And then as it went on, I thought, well, maybe this is happening to me because maybe God's trying to tell me something. Maybe he's trying to tell me he's finished with me. I shouldn't have been in the ministry. I shouldn't be anymore. And at that time, wouldn't you know it too, at that time, the school that I used to teach in contacted me and asked me to come back. And this was quite a few years later. And because we still had a great relationship and so I'm thinking like, well, I could just go back to teaching or, and anyway, my, my heart was just hurting and my, I, and, uh, you know, I'm thinking maybe God's finished with me and do I want to spend the rest of my life in this kind of atmosphere and in the ministry, I'm trying to do good. I've been trying to be good and it just, people don't let you be good and they treat you bad. And I was going downhill fast. All right. I didn't know what to do with myself. I was stunned. I couldn't hardly preach then. It got so bad in me. I couldn't hardly preach. I couldn't talk. I didn't want to be anything. I didn't want to do anything. I, you know, I just wanted to hide out and kind of quit life, right? Okay. So now back to the Good Samaritan story, right? Back to our story. So all my life, I, including going to this small town, starting the church, all the stuff, uh, you go be good. If you're good, then it's going to turn out good, right? That's what you think. And all of a sudden, it didn't turn out good. So, like I said, back to our story. Now we have characters in the story. And I'm thinking back and realizing, well, why, why am I in this mental and emotional condition? And uh, I've already explained. The circumstances were right. But for, me, for a person to feel like I felt, 
but why can't I get over it? You know, why am I so broken? And, and, uh, I started putting the pieces together and realizing, you know what? I've been trying to be good, tried to be good my whole life. Well, at least my Christian life, I really tried to be good, tried to be a good pastor, good dad, you know, good husband, all the good, right? And it didn't work. I'm busted in pieces. And I go back to the story and I think, well, I've put a lot of pressure on my life to be good because that's what you're supposed to be is good, right? A good pastor, you know, oh, he's a good guy. And there are people saying I wasn't a good guy. I hadn't done anything but do what pastors do. But, you know, there were people saying I wasn't a good guy and making up stuff. And uh, I thought, why are they doing that? And why does it bother me so much? Well, because the stipulation I put on myself that you're supposed to be good. And if you're good, good things turn out, right? So didn't turn out so good. And I didn't feel so good and about myself. So I'm going back over it. Where did this happen? Oh, now we remember, right? Remember the fourth grade? Yeah, there I am in the fourth grade. And my fourth grade teacher, who was a very nice person, but without knowing it, told me what I'm supposed to be and let me know that I needed to be the good Samaritan, right? I'm not going to be the, I'm not going to be the priest, you know, I'm not going to walk on the other side the rest of my life and just ignore hurting people. And I'm not going to be the Levite and walk on the other side and ignore somebody all beat up and messed up and half dead. Uh, so, you know, she said, who are you going to be? Well, I'm going to be the Good Samaritan. The whole class said they're going to be the Good Samaritan. And so I put that on myself to be, the, be good, the Good Samaritan. That's what life is about. I just believe you need to be good, okay? And so there you go. I walked into that. And so I need to be the Good Samaritan. Now all of a sudden life isn't working. I don't feel so good. And other people haven't been good. And that's when it happened. And I want it to happen to you. Because I go back through, you know, I'm going back through and thinking, who am I really? And I thought, well, I'm not the priest. I'm not the Levite. Hmm? Guess what? But neither am I the good Samaritan. Oh, now something's happening to me because my whole life, that's who you're supposed to be. And all of a sudden I say, but I'm not. And I never was supposed to be. We all need to be good. You know that. But to put that as a, a, the thermometer of life, you know, to judge your life by it. And so I go, I'm not the priest. I'm not the Levite. You know what? But neither am I the good Samaritan. So who am I really? And that's when it hit me. You know, you know you're, you're way ahead of me, right? You know who I am really. I was the one left for dead. I'm the one in the ditch. And I never wanted to be there. I never wanted to admit I was there. I never wanted to admit that I had hurts in me or I, I got beat up by life a little bit, you know, and because I just want to go about doing good still, like everything's fine and I'm not fine. I'm in the ditch and I've been left there. And all of a sudden, I'm not the good Samaritan, but, I've, but, I, but I found one who is. Who is the good Samaritan? You got it. In my life, at least. It wasn't a priest and it wasn't a Levite. It was Jesus himself. Jesus saw me. And all of a sudden, ah, what have I been thinking my whole life? You're the good Samaritan. You're the one. 
that picks up our life. You're the one that sees us when we're beat up and we're messed up and we're hurting and we've, maybe it's our fault, maybe it's not our fault. It doesn't really matter whether it was your fault or not. You're beat up and in the ditch and you're not uh, feeling like you should feel and you're not being who you're supposed to be in life and you're all messed up and you're just half dead. And I like that um, I like that word half dead, and I think the Jesus told it on purpose and put that in there uh, on purpose because you know the feeling like maybe you still do some good, but, you know, there's still some wounds and cuts and bruises and hurts and memories, and so, you know, you're not up to par. You're just um, kind of half doing who you're supposed you know you're not that bad but you're not that good like you're living about half you got a half joy you know you got a half sense of humor you know but there's a lot in you that's not fun and there's a lot going off inside of you a lot of fears and anxieties and stuff and so you know you're you're doing okay halfway but you're not the whole way you're about halfway you're half dead or you're half alive and there's a reason that he did that. Let's back up just a little more now, a little more in the Bible, and we'll finish this off. Okay, so back up in the Bible. Now we're going to go to the book of Genesis, all right? You know you've heard that book, the first book in the Bible, and you've heard of Adam and Eve. I know that. Just like the Good Samaritan, you've heard of them. And so you may have known they were created great, good, everything's good, and uh, they weren't supposed to eat of the one tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they did. Now, listen to what God told them or told Adam, told them if what would happen to them if they ate of that tree. OK, this is how it's actually translated, but it doesn't sound right in English, but you'll hear it. OK, so God said, don't eat of that tree, for when you eat of that tree, you will die, die or dying. You shall surely die. All right, let's do it again. You'll die, die, okay? Now, did they fall over dead? They ate of the tree, they sinned, you know, the big mess, <clears throat> but did they fall over dead? No. There are two dies in there, though, right? Dying thou shalt surely die, as I said in the King James. And, okay, so there's two dies in there, right? Die, die. So how dead were they? You got it. You're figuring it out, aren't you? They were half dead, half dead. They didn't fall over dead. Their bodies were still moving. But spiritually, they were dead. And they, they had knowledge of evil that God never wanted them to know that kind of, no evil. He wanted to keep it so pure. So they were half dead. And now you guy in the ditch, Jesus uses those words, right? And he says, and there he was, he's half dead, right? Half dead. And so now... Jesus is going to come along, and what's he do? He's going to restore the dead part in him, right? He's going to save the dead part. He's going to, in the character, the good Samaritan, going to take care of him. But in my life, that's what Jesus did to me, the dead part. Half of me maybe was doing good, but I'm half dead. And he came, and he bandaged up my life, took care of me, and set me a whole new life. He gave me a whole new life. Everything changed from that moment on. 
Everything changed. And I already was a believer, but I was still trying to be good myself and half dead on the inside, trying to do it all myself, even though I'm a believer. Now, all of a sudden, I realize, you know what? I can't be the good Samaritan, but Jesus can. And I let him be that. And I let him be that now, of course, through me, I can be a good Samaritan. If it's Jesus through me, then it's not the pressure on me. It's he's going to do great things in my life and do great things through me. So that's what I was here to tell you today. Who are you really? Think about it. Have you put that on yourself as a man or a woman, a parent, a job, whatever, friends? You put that, that, hey, I have this expectation on myself. I'm supposed to be the good Samaritan. But admit now, who are you really? Mm. You know what? Chances are you're like I was. You got a lot of wounds and beat up places in your life, and you're you're as half dead as I was. That's why it's so important that you turn to Jesus fully. Don't try to save yourself. Don't try to be good. Let him be good and bandage up your life first before you try to bandage up everybody else. That good advice? So there, isn't that great? Who are you really? You may be like me. You may be the one that is half dead or left half dead and needs fixing up. That might be you. Well, so glad we could be together. Don't forget the book, uh, If You Only Knew. It's small. You can read it, an hour and a half, two hours. Uh, it's quick, uh, and it's got lessons about where is America going and where are we going as, the, as, as a church, and you're, you need to get it. Politicians are getting it and reading it, and I hope it's having the impact. I hope it has on them that it's had on others. So do that. You can just go right there, More Faith, More Life, and you can get it right there. There's other things also that you can get. Uh, we can talk about that later. But just let this soak in. Are you going through life with a pressure on you? I'm supposed to be the good Samaritan. I'm supposed to be good, and I don't always feel good. I feel about half good. Let Jesus come and bind up your wounds and set you on a new path like he did me. Because if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. Till next time, bye-bye.